to Mamby Pamby Land, where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. Oh yeah, here we come. Coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker. This is Pastor Mike and I'm online. I'm live with you today with the talk show that Kenneth Copeland will hate. Uh, what I've got to say about him just as soon as I find the video. Now, what folder did I did I put? The, let's see here. Is it this? Oh yeah, I think it's this one. I think it's this one. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, we're not ready for it yet, <clears throat> but we're gonna we're gonna use it. Uh, good to be with you today. I am. Uh, it's gonna rain. I think in less than forty-eight hours, and um, that's usually when I feel it is uh, less than 48 hours. Uh, I know it's coming. And, um, boy, I mean, it just, as the, uh, the low pressure intensifies around us, um, even, even my f fingers hurt. My knuckles hurt. Uh, of course, all of my joints um hurt, ache, and um, then you, I get this fatigue with it. And um, so sure enough, I looked at the, at the weather report for this area, and we've got some rain coming. It's just a change in temperature. With rain, this time of year, it's always going to be because of a low-pressure system. High pressure means clear skies, dry air, Low pressure, just like it sucks all the moisture down into it and drops it over the earth. So anyway, uh, I'll be slow and we'll try to get we'll try to get things moving along here in a little bit. I I mentioned to you on Tuesday that um, I have. A, uh, some notes. Let me see if I can find my ever notes here. Yeah, here we go. I have some notes here, and I I started looking at doing a follow up to um, the series I did or the teaching I did called "Where Dragons Live," and back several years ago. When I first started that study and looking into dragons and taking it uh, in, a, in a real way, looking at it like, okay, these dragons are real. Uh, what does the Bible say about their nature, their character, where they like to live, where they like to sleep, where they like to eat? Because in knowing that, um, you're, of course, learning more about Satan than you normally would. 
because he's a dragon. He is a he is made in the fashion uh, the uh, the way God made reptiles here on this earth. In fact, the reason the, some some of the dragons mentioned in the Bible, there's no doubt in my mind that they are references to reptiles. The word reptiles was not a word that was in common use uh, in the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. Uh, but the word dragon was, and a dragon would refer to any kind of lizard, uh, maybe any kind of large serpent or so on. Uh, and I'm not trying to discount the accuracy of the Bible and saying, well, when people said dragons, what they really meant was like an iguanodon, okay? I'm not saying that at all because I absolutely believe that there were dragons roaming the earth um, at least in the days of Job that we know of. And Job was a contemporary of Abraham, meaning that they lived at or about the same time. And so uh, Job talks about um, behemoth in uh, Job, and I want to say Job 39, Job 40. And then the next chapter, he spoke of Leviathan, which we know is a, a super duper number one candidate for uh for the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan, and so on. And if you read that chapter, you see that, well, you know what? Let's read that chapter. Instead of me doing all the talking, we'll just let God do the talking today. Seeing as how uh, I am, I am I am wore out today. Uh, that's not Dan. I don't want Daniel. I want Job. There we go, Steve Job, um, Isaiah, or no, Job 40, now that's Behemoth. Let's look at Behemoth for a minute. I'm just going to fly by the seat of my britches today. There we go. Um, look at this one. Now... Here's the theory. If we, if we take a literal belief in the Bible, then we cannot agree with the world, with the world's scientists, with the world's geniuses, so-called, that the earth is hundreds of millions of years old. We, we can't just go along with that. Uh, because we know that up until the time that Adam and Eve fell and were cast out of the Garden of Eden, that they had access to the Tree of Life and death had not entered into the world. It didn't. 
And so, uh, but the moment that Adam and Eve sinned because of one man's sin, the Bible says, death passed upon all men for all have sinned. And um, so anyway, at best, you're looking at the earth being around 6,000 years old rather than 600 million years old. And that's that's as, as close of a compromise as I'll have. You know, I won't say exactly what year it must have started. I, I, don't, I don't know that one. But I won't go too far beyond that. I just won't do it. Um, you follow the genealogies all the way back to Adam, and there you are. And the genealogies seem to be pretty accurate. The one in Genesis chapter 5 gives us the the name of the person, the, the year in which they were born as far as their father's life, the year that their son was born, and then the year of their death. And this goes all the way down through. You can follow the lineage from Adam all the way down through the last of the 12 tribes. And even then, you can even pick it up even beyond that uh, in the genealogy given to us from Abraham to Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, and then from Adam to Jesus in Luke chapter 3. So there's no doubting it. If that's the, if that's the genealogy, and for someone to say that the earth is older than the genealogy of Christ, I would say the Bible says no. So anyway, um, if if the Bible's true on this, and I believe it is, then this behemoth that we see here had to have lived before the flood and had an existence after the flood. Now let's look at a description of this behemoth. Behold now behemoth which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. Lo now, his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. Okay, right around mid-drift, okay? Uh, in other words, he had very strong, more than likely very strong thigh uh, muscles and thigh bones, Um he could probably push anything that he wanted to out of his way and nothing would stop him. And I think that's the point here. He moveth his tail like a cedar. Now, some of these uh, chain reference Bibles or helps Bibles, let's see if this one has it. This was the Bible my mother got for me when I said I'm going to be a preacher. And let's see here what, what it says. I think some of these Bibles have this uh, to be a, uh, a hypnopotamist. No, not a hypnopotamist, a hippopotamus, yeah. Um, let's see, Job 40. Uh, let's see here, verse 
15. Yeah, let's see here. His tail moveth like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my Bible says perhaps the elephant is what it's saying. Perhaps it's the elephant. And I'm like, an elephant's got a little tail. Okay, about like that. A little swishy-wishy. Here the Bible's saying he's got a tail like a cedar. Okay, like a big, long, strong cedar is what his tail's like. So elephants don't qualify. Hippos don't qualify. Nothing else qualifies. Um, he moved his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. And he that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food. Where all the beasts of the field play, he lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reeds and fens. The shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows in the brook compass him about. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. He taketh it with his eyes. His nose pierceth through snares. Okay. An elephant's nose is not known for its piercing ability. Okay. Um, but possibly a rhinoceros is, but he doesn't have a tail like a cedar. Uh, so it, it, it leaves you with uh, a few limited possibilities, but possibilities that if you believe that the earth is into the millions of years old and that 60 million years ago, a majority of the large creatures that were on the earth at the time became totally extinct. See, if you believe all of that, this is not going to make sense to you. Because you'll say, well, it, you know, it couldn't, couldn't be the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs would have died out, you know, 60 million years before this time. Uh, unless, of course, you're wrong about that. Scientists have a way of reaffirming their narrative by saying, uh, probably, could have, might have, strong evidence for, and so on. They use phrases like that to prove themselves that they're right to prove to everybody else that their view of the history of the world is that it's hundreds of millions of years old and it took all that time for everything to evolve just perfect on this earth. So we have like a, a, a balance of power in nature. And that's what they want you to believe. But one of the problems is because some church people, and I've known, I knew a guy like this, um, some people have taken their ideas of evolution and the origin of this universe and made that their gospel. We had a man that 
uh, every preacher in this church witnessed to him. Um, he was, uh, he was, his wife and daughters came to church here very faithfully, but he never would come. You see, he was a uh, high school biology teacher. And um, since he was so intelligent, um, that held him back from being saved. I, I, would, I was with at least two preachers who went to see him to try to talk him into salvation. He wouldn't budge. Well, he retired. Him and his wife both, they retired. They left this church, and they went down to a little town south of us called Bonterre. That's French for good terror something. Anyway, um, this pastor, for whatever reason, was successful in reaching him with the gospel. And, of course, when we hear about it, we're rejoicing. But then... This, this man, a former science teacher in a high school, one night the pastor who loved this man, I know the pastor, he was a good guy. And he started uh, a series on the book of Genesis. Where do you start in Genesis? You start in Genesis 1. So he starts reeling off all this creation stuff in Genesis 1 and says, you know, the earth is not 120, 300 million years old. It's only, you know, a few thousand years old. And that, that teacher, that former teacher, at the end of that message, got up in a huff, Walked out of that church, saw that pastor standing there greeting everybody, shaking their hand as they were ready to leave. And that man said, you know, preacher, I had you pegged as a pretty smart man. I thought you had it together. And he said, the garbage you preach tonight, I don't know how in the world you can say that you are an educated man when the truth of it is, I can tell you're not. And he never darkened the door of that church ever again and I'm not real sure as to how he spent the remaining he died just a few years after that and I just often wondered man I, I just I don't know I don't know it seems like this man was in the category of uh, let's see, the stony ground. The seed was sown, and for a while it sprang up because the weather was good and damp, and there was lots of rain coming in, and everything was fine until this man actually got challenged by uh, the pastor, and he didn't like it. And so he made the pastor to be out this unlearned and ignorant and foolish man. And this, this older man, this high school teacher, left, took his wife. She left. She sided with him. And I'm like, I can't believe this. That he would, he would give up everything that he has received from God. 
in the form of blessings or whatever, that he would give that up all because of his intellect and the fact that he knows that certain things are true and you can't talk him out of it. And uh, what a shame. You know, what a shame. Anyway, um, where was I going with all this? Oh, this was Behemoth. Let me go to Leviathan. Job 41. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? Or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose? Or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make an ap- supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Uh, Wilt thou take him for a servant forever? Anybody ever have a trained dinosaur? See, nobody does. Uh, Canst thou... um, Let's see. Verse 5. Wilt thou play with him as with a bird? Or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? Shall the companions with the uh, banquet... Shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they part him among the merchants? Canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? Lay thine hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. Woo. How many of you think you ever fought this guy? Raise your hand. Maybe not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Yeah, you betcha. Um, so anyway, that's that's Leviathan. I'm not going to read any more of that. That's Leviathan. And it says down here he has, uh, by his niecings. Niecing is an old word for... <gasps> sneezing. By his sneezings... A light doth shine, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go a smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals. Sometimes yours does too. I've been around you. And a flame goeth out of his mouth, and his neck... Remain a strength, and sorrow is turned into joy before him. And in other words, he is a he's one bad dude. So we have the the um, the mentioning in the Bible of the book of Job, written after the flood, written in the time of Abraham. That these uh, these large animals, some of them more than likely uh, survived the flood by being uh, on the ark or represented on the ark. And uh, we can see some of them to this very day, although maybe uh, some of the genetics not quite as um, in the forefront as we might think. But anyway, this is directly under the category of what the Bible would be calling a dragon. Now, um, I did this thing several years ago, as I mentioned. And it came as a result of a 
of just a personal study that I wanted to do. And I, I started, you know, believing the Bible for what it was. And I kept, I saw the word dragon there. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit. But he led me and I asked the question, I wonder what these dragons do. I mean, they're mentioned so many times in the Bible as being significant. I wonder what these uh, what these dragons really really were, and and how they lived and so on. So I began to do a study, and um, back then I don't have a notebook around me, but I used to. Um, I used to put all the things that I would find in a, in a notebook. And that way I have it written down, the notes and the things that, you know, I felt like God was showing me that day. And I started understanding that dragons don't live where a lot of people uh, are there. He doesn't really like that. Uh, he can, uh, I believe, live in amongst human beings who themselves are going to be wicked people. Um, but just as Satan, after he gave his, um, uh, his temptation to Christ and then left him for a season. It was because he couldn't stand any longer being in the presence of Christ. And I think he was afraid of Jesus without saying it. I think he was. And um, so then you find out that wherever Jesus isn't, then more than likely, there are things that are going to take his place. Um, and so when Jesus is not there, the dragons, the owls, uh, the different types of uh, birds will be there. First thing they'll do is eradicate the word of God. The parable of the seed and sower. Um, the... Um, well, y'all pray for me. Man, I feel terrible right now. Uh, in the parable of the seed and the sower, uh, when the seed goes out by the wayside, um, the fowls there, the Bible says the fowls there come down and, and eat it up. And then in the explanation of that, we find it's not just birds. It's big birds. These are um, air dragons, as it were, okay, of the reptilian race, you could call it. Uh, the devil himself, Satan, the wicked one, that wicked, he will come down and he will consume anything left of the word of God. He will consume it away so that the Word of God has no effect, first of all, in, in most people's homes. Second of all, 
and this is where I really, uh, where it really bothers me. In so-called Christian homes, Christian families, Christian uh, churches, Christian Sunday school classes, and so on. Um, what, what bothers me is, is that when Jesus is not present in those places, those voids will be filled up with dragons, and not just one either. Uh, there's like a hierarchy in the uh, spiritual realm. And in that hierarchy, you may have creatures of the same species. They may all be dragons. But there's going to be one superior dragon above the other. And so anytime you have, let's say, a friend of yours or a relative in their life, they... Um, Let me take a few minutes, okay? Let me take a few minutes and um, I'll turn this video back on for you. Play it for you. If I can find it again. No, that ain't it. And uh, let me just go off the air for a few minutes and see if I can feel a little bit better. All right, I'm going to take a break. All right, I'm back uh, for a little while anyway. I want to go ahead and, and, and do this. Uh, uh, I saw this. I mentioned this to you Tuesday, and that's, uh, that's what I was building to in the Scriptures, uh, laying a foundation for, um, uh, for this book that I saw, a children's book. Uh, at, uh, I'm thinking it was either Costco or Sam's Club. I want to say Costco. Uh, they often sell children's books there. They have a whole section of them. And uh, sometimes I can find things I think are very interesting. And sometimes I find things that I'm looking at it and I'm going, uh-uh, that's, that's right out of hell itself. Um. So anyway, at, uh, at Sam's, I noticed that they had several books that were featuring, um, they were children's books, and they were featuring dragons on them. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, man, there just seems to be like an, a flood here of getting more and more children introduced into dragons. And I want you to understand that that's purposeful. It's, it's written in the scriptures. When you read uh, Revelation 13 and you believe it, then you look at it and, and it, it tells you that uh, that there is this beast, he's rising up out of the sea. He has seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns upon his horns. And the dragon gives him his power 
his seat and his great authority. So Satan is giving Antichrist the power that he has. Now think about the mockery of it. Here's Jesus saying that all power has been given unto him from heaven and earth. And he got it from his father. And then the dragon, the Bible says the dragon gave him his power and then his seat. Well, we know that the devil has um, a seat of dominion over this earth. He is mentioned as the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, We see him losing uh, major battles and major contests, but he's never really completely eliminated. He goes off licking his wounds, and when he comes back, he may be a little bit smarter and a little bit wiser. And he says, Hi, my name's Mr. Ed, and I'm not doing that ever again. And so he, you know, maybe changes tactics a little bit, but he still has great power in that seat that he has. The dragon gave him his power, his seat, and then great authority. And so it seems like now, whereas back when I was a very, very young child, reading books like what I'm going to show you, um, that would have appealed to me, number one, because I always fantasized about you know dragons and dinosaurs and monsters and things like that. Although I did hear back in the early 70s, a radio broadcast where they were discussing Momo. If you live in Missouri, you know who Momo is. Momo is um, the Missouri monster. And basically it's a Sasquatch. So anyway, um, I'm looking at these books and I understand that the young minds who are going to be leaders of this world in 20 years or more those minds have to be geared and turned in a certain direction. They can't be pondering Christianity. They must be already pretty much sold out to sin and to the devil. So let's start indoctrinating them at the earliest possible time. So, uh, in Deuteronomy 32, something that I've, I've referenced several times, but what I'm going to show you now is the absolute 100% fulfillment of these verses in a children's book. Children's book, all right? It says their vine is the vine of Sodom. 
and the, of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. So I want you to notice that here we have uh, dragons. We have serpents mentioned. And these uh, dragons, with their wine, their vineyards and everything like that, they too are going to make it uh, freely available to mankind. Man's not going to have to pay anything for it. Um, however, there's a catch. Because what it's going to do is, once you partake of that wine of the cruel venom of asps and the poison of dragons, then it will poison your mind temporarily? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to do it permanently. I think just some things you just got to watch out for and not read, not, you know, spend a lot of time. You can call it research if you want. But truth of it is, your flesh, in a way, in a weird way, probably likes this. Anyway, let me show you this book. Ta da! I need some sound effects. Dragon Boy. Dragon Boy. The dragon gave him his power, his seat, his great authority. So today is a great day for adventure. And see, this is one of those books that when you're five years old, you're going, oh, that is so awesome. My my favorite book, um, when I was about six or seven years old, were The Wild Things Are. I loved that book because it had monsters in it, but they were friendly monsters, okay? I did. I loved that book. Anyway, so this is the cover of it. Today is a great day for adventure. So they're sailing along in the boat called Adventure. Maybe that's his little brother. I don't know. And there is a character in the book named Darwin. What famous human being was given the name Darwin? Yep, you got it right. It's Charles Darwin. So this creature represents man's ability through, let me go up here, uh, this belief, belief in evolution that man is born um, to... I guess, spread himself or his 
It represents evolution. It represents transformation or change. Darwin had wandered into another field of flowers, so Dragon Boy spoke for him. Darwin isn't very scary for a Yeti. Let me hit this button. What is a Yeti? According to what we see in the scriptures, it is going to be um oh good i can't find it some of you are hollering at me it's right there mike but i can't hear you uh let me do this verse 21 i was i was close wild beasts of the desert shall lie there and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures and owls shall dwell there and satyrs shall dance there so this is a satyr. Darwin had wandered into another field of flowers, so the dragon boy spoke for him. Darwin isn't very scary, uh, scary for a yeti, but he's the best daisy counter in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me go on down here. So we, we have this character here, the dragon boy who has like a little boy living inside of him. You have a, a yeti or a, some kind of creature that came down from space, you know. Then we have the the donut, um, the dragon boy, the donut, the dragon boy once again in his costume. Um, he's got ice cream to give to everybody. Um, he Looks like he finally does give it to a young dinosaur by the name of Draco. Draco is either a reference to the constellation, Draco, uh, or it represents the dragon himself who gives the Antichrist his power, his seat, and great authority, all three of them. Um. So here's Darwin. He represents transformation. He's a Yeti. Here is uh, Dragon Boy and uh, Draco. Now, get ready. Here is another character. I want you to notice this. One love, love all. Now, that sounds innocent. Sounds right. After all, Jesus told us to love one another. And you call yourself a Christian, and you don't love us who are declaring, before you speak to me, I, sh I will declare unto you, my pronouns, please use my pronouns correctly. And then we can be friends. And folks, I'm not doing it. 
if someone ever demanded of me to speak of them the way they wanted me to speak of them, I probably am not going to do it. Just as a matter of principle, I'm not doing it. But that phrase, one love, is like um, the spirit of Antichrist spirit. One love, Babylon's love. Okay? And she's the one, uh, Babylon is, that is bringing all kinds of abominable practices and fornications and everything else, indulgences and everything else into people's lives. And if you don't believe what I'm saying there about one love, love all being like a homosexual mantra, take a look at her bed, headboard, and her footboard. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six colors in the gay rainbow flag. Six colors here incorporated into this sign. And uh, as of this point, I'm like, should I buy the book? No, I'm not spending a dime on this. Because I figured by the time um, Christmas came around, there wouldn't be this, this book probably wouldn't be much around anyway. And if it was, it would be at a much reduced price. Oh, look. Is that? No, that's a cow. I was thinking that was sheep's clothing. Maybe I'm just seeing things. I don't know. See if there's anything else to this. She was exactly who she was supposed to be. Um, and I do know in this, you know, maybe I don't know. Um, I was trying to think of, of, of something that I had read in this book. And it was a fleeting thought. And so I can't. I can't recall it anymore. Anyway, that was uh, that right there. I know I spent a lot of hype on this, and, and just the way I'm feeling today, I just couldn't hype it as, as big as I did Tuesday. But this, this book, for five, six-year-old children, seven-year-old children, a seven-year-old child would be reading it till someone sees them. Okay? Then he kind of tosses this aside and grabs a copy of War and Peace and makes it look like he's reading something. Uh, but again, I mentioned this to you Tuesday. I mentioned it before that I just I was gobsmacked at uh, what I read in this book and what I saw portrayed in this book. And um, so anyway, you pray for me. And um, pray for me over the next couple of days. I'll probably be fine come Sunday. Uh, we have a, a, a big shindig on uh, Sunday. All of our children here at Bethel are going to give us uh, a nice little um, Christmas program. 
and uh, I'm looking forward to that and hope you look forward to it as well. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, This is Pastor Mike. I love you. You're the reason why we do what we do. Thank you for your prayers, and we will say to you, Think Bible.